I want to let you know I'm going to be out of town this next week. Uh, we're, we're getting away out of town. So next Sunday, uh, Steve Brazell is going to be here preaching, our director of missions. Uh, he's going to continue on in Luke as we get to the end of the end, right? I've been saying that. We're getting to the end. We really are, I promise. Uh, but he's going to pick up. Today, uh, Jesus is going to turn his attention uh, as he's about to start all the events that we are familiar with, with the cross and the resurrection. He's kind of got one last section. This is kind of one of the longest sections of teaching that Jesus does. And he's speaking of future things. He's speaking of not things that are days and weeks and months ahead. He's speaking of years and ages, uh, things that are to come. And I think what Jesus is trying to do is to prepare his disciples and to prepare us for living in the in-between. The in-between. The in-between Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and when Jesus returns. He's trying to prepare them. Hey, there's going to be some bad. Hey, there's going to be some difficulty. Here's how you should live in the in-between. So let's read it. Luke chapter 21. Uh, We're going to cover some ground, so just hang with me. Verse 5. And it says, while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let, let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. And on the earth, the stress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man 
coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Let me pray. God, I thank you that you've given us uh, your word and assurance that though things may spiral out of control, though things may get worse, God, you still are on the throne. God, you still are in control. This is your story that you're writing. And so I pray today that as we read these words, and, and they're so, uh, it's so common for these words and these imagery to strike fear in people's hearts, God, I pray that these would... Um, God, that we would be in you so that when you do come and when these things do happen, we can stand awaiting our redemption, stand praising the Son of Man who comes to redeem and to save his people. God, may we not be those uh, who are crushed by this difficult news, God, but may we be encouraged and filled up by the fact that you are coming to save us and rescue us. And so we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is quite a bit to break off today in uh, 23 minutes. Um, but I think it's important because it's all talking about the end of all things, the end times and, and the signs and all that sort of stuff. And so what's happening in this time? Jesus, in this last week of his life, is in this rhythm. He's, he's staying at the Mount of Olives, and he's going into the temple daily, and he's teaching. Some people call this the Olivet Discourse. He's, he's speaking all of these things to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, probably Wednesday night before his crucifixion. And Jesus is speaking about the in-between. What's going to happen when he leaves and in between that and when he comes again. He, he's speaking about all these sorts of different things. And I think for us, what we have to learn from this is how we should live in this time. We live in the in-between. We live in this, this period of waiting from Jesus' death and resurrection, waiting his second coming to make all things right. And so first, Jesus notices and he says, um, verse 6, it says that... Uh, well, in verse 5, it says that they, they've noticed the temple. So they're probably leaving the temple that day, and somebody, one of his disciples, makes a comment about the temple. And it starts Jesus on this, uh, this journey. And Jesus says in verse 6 that the temple that they are admiring, this place where God dwells with his people and they can interact with God, he says, this, not one stone will be left unturned. This whole thing is going to come crashing down when God's judgment is poured out on Israel. Why is it being poured out on Israel? Because they're rejecting the Messiah. And so 
This is shocking news for these, these guys. This is incredibly shocking news for Jesus to say that the temple will be torn down. That's, that's their access to God. This is, this is unfathomable for them. And so they ask two questions, and these are questions that we ask too. When will this be, and what will be the signs? When will this be, and what will be the signs? The, when we all think about the end times, we all, I mean, if you've been around at all, you, you've been around long enough for somebody to come out with a popular saying, hey, this is going to be the last day, April 17th, whatever, right? How many times has that happened, right? We are consumed with wanting to know when. When will this be, Lord? But we're also consumed with asking, what will be the signs? What's going to happen before that? Let me just be clear. When, other parts of Scripture, Jesus makes it very clear that no one knows the time, okay? So when you see somebody come out in the news and say, April 17th, February 3rd, whatever, 2024 is the year that it all breaks down, okay? Don't go after them, okay? Jesus says that no one knows the time. That's meant to push us towards faith and trust. There's a, there's a massive element of unknown when we talk about the end times, and that's meant to push us to faith and trust in Christ. Now, what about the signs? Jesus doesn't leave us unaware. He says some of these things will happen. Here's some signs that you'll see. Um, and that bit of knowledge is meant to make us stay awake. It's meant to make us aware, right? Yes, we trust you, God. We don't know the exact time. We can watch the world and see signs. That's meant to make us aware. It's meant to make us ready at all times. And it says in verse 8, it says, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. So the, really the first sign that Jesus says that there will be, he says there will be deception. There will be deception. There will be lots of people who come and say, I am the Christ. Now, they may not say it like that. They may not proclaim, I am Jesus Christ here to save you. But there's all kinds of antichrists that come and say, I know the way to fix this. I've got the, the path to peace. We can make all things right. There's going to be many false teachers, many false messiahs who come, who claim to have special knowledge, special access, whatever. And what does Jesus tell us to do? How should we live? What does he say? Do not go after them, <laughs> right? When Jesus returns, it will be obvious to all. It's described as uh, signs in the heavens that no one could ignore. It, it's not going to be a hidden thing. It's not going to be a secret thing that happens in a manger in Bethlehem. No, it's going to be worldwide, and everybody's going to know. So he says, do not go after these false teachers who try to deceive you, Right? He says, not only will there be deception, there's going to be distress. Verse 9, there's going to be distress. It says, when you hear of wars and tumults, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Is that right? Tumults? I don't know. All right. Nobody's, nobody's brave enough this morning to guess how to pronounce that word. All right. Tumults. It doesn't sound right, does it? Okay, I'm going with it. When you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. And he goes on, he talks about nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, terrors, great signs from heavens. Jesus says basically this, it's going to get bad. 
It's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to continue down uh, the, the path that it's been on. Now, all of these things that he mentions, wars, uh, pestilences, famines, all that sort of stuff, those things have been a part of creation since when? Since the fall. Those weren't a part of the original creation. But ever since the fall, those things have been true. And you can track this. You can go look up the numbers. We don't have time this morning. But those things are steadily increasing and growing. The amount of wars, the amount of death, the amount of famines, the amount of pestilences and all those sorts of things. Humanity is not getting closer and closer to solving this on our own. Okay? It's getting worse. Right? And Jesus said that that would be the, the case. We are not able to solve this problem. This is not our story that we're writing. Only Jesus will. Only the second coming of the Son of Man will. And so what is Jesus' instruction to us? When you hear of these things, when you, when you watch Fox News, when you see CNN and you hear of all these terrible things, the stuff going on in Israel, the oh, Ukraine and nuclear and all that sort of stuff, when you hear of that, what does he say? What does it say? What's his instruction to us? He says, do not be terrified. It's really easy today to listen to the news, to hear all these things, and to be what? Terrified. To be scared. To be worried. Now, why does he tell us not to be terrified? That, that seems, seems like impossible to do, right? Well, because we know what? That in, if we are in Christ, we will be saved. We will be safe. Yes, we will face hardship. We will go through terrible things. But these distresses are a foretaste of what God is going to do in redeeming his people. So these things are going to be terrifying if you don't know Christ. If you don't have eternal life. If you don't have something beyond this life. All of those things are terrifying. And Jesus tells us in the in-between, do not be terrified. Now, he also notes this. He says uh, that these distresses must take place, but they are not the end. And so many times we see, okay, these are the wars. This is happening. This is happening. We're in the end times. Jesus says what? No, no, that's just the beginning. You're, you're going to hear these things. He says that is not the end, that the end will not be at once. So don't go after them, right? Don't follow the deceivers who, who want us to, to freak out and be terrified and all that sort of stuff. Jesus says, do not be terrified. Not only will there be deception from false teachers, not only will, will there be distress in humanity and on the earth, next there will be persecution. 12. Um, and, it, and we prayed about it a little bit this morning with our people in Africa. We may not feel this today, uh, but if, in in where my dad is at this morning, where, where they confess Christ, there is a massive cost to their life, potentially. Right? There is real consequences to choosing to be baptized, right? to choose Jesus. And Jesus told us this would be the case. Look at verse 12. It says, But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. So Jesus is making this point. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Things are going to continue to spiral downward before Jesus returns and fixes all things. And if the world hated Jesus, then the, 
It's ignorant of us to expect something different. We will be hated because of our identity with Christ. It may not look exactly like it does in Africa right now, but how should we live? How should we live in this world? What does he say? Verse 13, this is your opportunity to bear witness. Jesus gives us this perspective on any pushback and persecution that we face, that it's an opportunity, not a hardship. It's an opportunity to speak of the truth, to speak of what we've seen and heard as witnesses. It's an opportunity. I don't think we look at persecution like that, but that's how we're supposed to live. We're not to be terrified. We're to look at it as an opportunity. And he tells us in verse 14, he talks about worrying about what what are you going to say when they bring you before these rulers? And he tells them, don't worry about it. And I, I think immediately, I think, I wouldn't know what to say in that, in, that, in that situation when somebody's pressing me on my faith and somebody, you know, there's real consequences to the words that I use. And he says, don't worry about that. Don't meditate beforehand, right? I think I'm more like Moses than I am like Paul or Peter, right? I'm more like, God, I can't go and do what you've told me to say. I, I need you to do that. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. In that very hour, he will teach us what to say. He says, I'll give you a mouth and I'll give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit will be with us to speak when we don't have the words or the courage to speak. He says it's going to get bad. 16, it says, you'll be delivered by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. Persecution is going to come from all sides. It's not just foreign governments. It's not just other religions. He says it's from within. And he says, you will be hated by all for my namesake. You will be hated by all for my namesake. And then he says in verse 18 and 19, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Now, he can't literally mean that, that we won't perish, right? This is not some promise that we will never die. That, that's, that can't be true. <laughs> it can't be true when he's just said some of you will, what, die, right? So, so it's, it's got to be a, a metaphorical interpretation that though we suffer, though we go through hard things, that we face wars and pestilences and all that sort of stuff, our spiritual life with God is safe and secure. No matter how bad things get here on earth, no matter, our spiritual eternity is secure. And so these, when we talk about end times, we talk about all this sort of stuff, it is terrifying if you don't know Christ. If you don't have any sense of, of security or, or faith in Christ, that, that it's all going to be okay. God's going to take care of this in the end. If you don't have that, then talking about all this sorts of stuff is terrifying. All right? Maybe some of you feel that today, right? Like, oh, I don't, I'm not, I don't like this. I don't want this. this. This is terrifying. And it's really a call for us to look at our own heart, right? So he says, not only will there be deception, there will be distress, and there will be persecution. There will also be judgment against Jerusalem. So this is verse 20 through 24. And it tells us that, that there's this prophecy that Jerusalem will be destroyed. Now remember, Jesus is telling this to his disciples who, who have thought he's the Christ, he's the Messiah. He's coming to establish his kingdom. And their thought is, maybe that'll be our headquarters. And Jesus is saying, what? No, even Jerusalem will be taken down. 
Now, this, this prophecy that Jerusalem will be destroyed has been literally fulfilled many times since Jesus spoke these words. It happened first in 70 AD, uh, about 40 years after Jesus. Rome comes in, ransacks the city, burns the temple down, kills thousands and thousands, and scatters the Jews all over the world, right? Now, does that mean that that's the end? That Jesus' word was somehow wrong? Well, one of the ways that prophecy works in Scripture is this. Many times it has multiple fulfillments. It's not just one fulfillment. Not always, but sometimes. Anybody ever been to Colorado? Anybody ever driven uh, kind of from, from the east towards Denver and towards the mountains in the west or from the south up towards the mountain? Anybody ever done this? Somebody shake your head. Okay. And what happens when you're on that road? You can see the mountains coming from a long ways away. Anybody ever seen this with their eyes? Can you picture it? And, and you can guess how far that is. And you have no concept of how far that is, right? And it looks like all the mountains are just, you know, we're just going to run into a wall of mountains. But what happens when you get there? The, all those mountains aren't right side by side. They're hundreds or tens or fifties of miles apart, right? And that's, that's kind of like prophecy here. Sometimes looking forward, everything looks like it's going to happen all at once. But once you get there, no, there's, there's multiple layers to this. And that's what Jesus is saying in this. Yes, Jerusalem was literally destroyed in AD 70. But more than that, this pattern of judgment on the hard-hearted, judgment against those who have rejected the Messiah, that pattern plays out all the time, right? Every one of us who rejects Christ will experience this. Not just the literal city of Jerusalem. But he says, this is not the end. This is not the end. This is just a sign. He says that, it, that this will be true. And he talks about the time of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to be the ones who come in and destroy. But, but until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Look at verse 25. It says, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. On top of all these other things, the wars and the famines and all sorts of stuff, he says that, that when the end is coming, when the end is near, there will be things that happen on the earth that, that it, it perplexes us. It causes distress. It says there will be people fainting with fear of what is coming because the powers of heaven are shaken. I have no concept of what this is. I don't know. But it seems like the earth doesn't work exactly how it used to work. It's not predictable. It's, it's in chaos and it's in disorder. And that's going to cause a lot of problems in our hearts because we're, we realize at that moment that we're not in control, that something else is in control. There's going to be massive changes as the world prepares for the main event. And all of the things that we've talked about so far are simply signs. What is the main event? Verse 27. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. This is the main event that all of history is headed towards. 
This is the end of the in-between. God is this one that is writing the story. He is the one that is orchestrating all of this. He is in control. And the signs are from him. They're, they're, they're under his authority. The end is not going to return, though, until the Son of Man returns in power and glory. There's all kinds of human efforts at peace and prosperity and flourishing. We do it every four years in our country. Somebody stands up and promises, hey, this is the way that we're going to achieve peace and prosperity. And do they ever achieve it? No. And then we swap to the other side and they promise peace and prosperity and better. Does it ever fix it? No. And then we swap and we go back and forth. And this is the story of human history, of human attempts to fix what was wrong and broken with us, sin, and its effect on the earth. The only one who will make all things right is the Son of Man when he returns in power and glory, right? And what is he there to do? He's there to redeem his people for himself, to purchase us back. It's interesting. It says in verse 28, when these things take place, straighten up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So, so how are we to respond? This, think about the imagery of that. The whole world is in chaos. Nothing's in our control. Everything's out of whack. And there is great fear and trepidation among all people. And he says, what should we do? What should my disciples do? Straighten up. Raise your head and wait for your redemption. This is a posture of confidence, not a posture of cowering, hiding in the rocks, running to the mountains, fleeing. No, the posture is, wow, the Son of Man is here, and He's here to purchase me, to redeem me from my brokenness, to redeem all of us from our brokenness. That's pretty arrogant, to stand before the King of Kings why, why would, how could we be so bold in the end to stand and, and, and say that? There's only one reason. Because we're in Christ. Because we've been saved. Because we've been rescued. When we talk about the end times, it's so easy to just get so in, 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 in fear and, and internal turmoil. And he tells us what? Don't. Stand up. Raise your head and wait because your redemption is here. I want to skip to the end, verse 34. He tells us a little bit more of how we should live. He says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He says, watch yourselves. Yours may say, be on guard. It's the idea of, of protecting your life. So many of us maybe are prone in this in-between to just live haphazardly, to just live however we want to think. It doesn't matter. Jesus is not coming back for a long time, or maybe he's never coming back. He says, don't be like that. Be on guard. Watch your life, right? Live a life of holiness so that when Christ does return, you'll be found being faithful, he says, don't let your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. These are all sorts of things that, that consume those who are not given, uh, have not given their lives to Christ, have not uh, looked and raised their head awaiting for their redemption. These are things that, that control us. Dissipation and drunkenness. Those are, those are the idea of being controlled by a substance. The worries of this life. 
uh, the cares of this world. Those are, those are circumstances that control us and control our, our, uh, how we live. Jesus says, do not be weighed down by these things. It's not fit for those who are waiting on the Savior to come to try to take things into our own hands. So he's saying this, don't live in sin. Don't continue to walk in ways that are, that are against the king who is coming to make all things right. It, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to claim that Jesus saved me from this, and don't walk in that. Don't continue to walk in that. And then he says, it will come, verse 35, it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. How else are we meant to live in this in-between? We're meant to live with evangelistic mission and passion because God's judgment is coming on all, not just us, not just the, the, those evil people. No, it's, it's friends and family and, and coworkers, right? God's judgment is coming upon all. So how are we meant to live? With, with passion to rescue them from that coming judgment, with, with the desire to see those people out of that life and into a life of freedom. And we, we, don't, we don't want this to come, but we know that it is. And so we have to be those who are sharing the good news. And the bad news first is this, is that all these things will come upon all. But the good news is there's a way out of it. There's a way of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. And then lastly, he says, but stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We're called to endure. We will face persecution. We will face difficulty. He says endure. We're, we're going to face temptation. He says be faithful. We're called to persevere and not just give up because it gets hard sometimes. And one day, God, Lord willing, when the Son of Man returns, we won't cower in fear because we know that it means our judgment. No, we will stand. We will stand awaiting our redemption that is in Jesus. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the good news. That though we've talked about some of the bad news this morning, the difficulty, the trial, the temptation, the the judgment, God. God, we believe with all of our hearts that there is good news too. That Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, will come again one day and He will make all things right. And He will save and redeem those who have placed their faith in Him. And so I pray this morning, God, if there's somebody in here who hears this and feels terrified, who hears this and is worried, they would put their faith in you. That is the only way to be saved, to be rescued. And so I pray this morning, God, that we would, we would be encouraged to stay on guard, to watch our lives, to live lives of holiness, to live lives of evangelism, sharing the good news with us. We would follow you in everything. God, we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.